four games in and pretty much everything for the Minnesota Wild looks drastically different to what we saw through the first 19 games of the season. But how much of it is sustainable and how much of it is a direct result of the coaching change? We will discuss on today's episode of Locked on Wild. You're locked on wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, this is Brandon Duham, and this is Locked On Wild. What is happening, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss out on any of our new content throughout the week. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. On today's episode of Lockdown Wild, State of Hoppy of the Soda Pod joins us as we buy or sell what we've seen through the first four games of the John Hines era. We'll talk about how much of it is a result of the team just coming to the realization of, hey, we got to play better, or uh, how much of it is actually at the hands of uh, John Hines. My name is Seth Topol, your daily Minnesota Wild insider, as mentioned. State of Hoppy is joining us here today, part of the Soda Pod. And uh, Hoppy, I see you are celebrating accordingly, as uh, as one typically does, uh, for instance, when I hop on the soda pod. And so uh, I'll cheers. It's it's water, but I'll still cheers because uh, it looks like you've got uh, some delicious lupulin, I believe. Oh, yes. And I mean, nothing like when you come on our show, because that's usually like a full hand of like Ronnie <laughs> D or something like that. Maybe Jose. But uh, yes, we've got the delightful hooey IPA Ooh. from Lupulin. Anyone that hasn't listened to our show, which I'm sure there's many, uh, they flat out just undoubtedly a top five brewery in the state of Minnesota. I don't just say that because they are the coolest people and good friends of ours, but the beer, the tap room, it is all elite. I, I don't think you could put anything about their operation outside of the top 10 within the state. And I will bang that drum forever. I'm still trying to get Seth to go out there with me at some point. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe if he ever moves to the cities for me. I don't know. I got in the say, works. I, I, I didn't know uh, what the behind the scenes was here. So as soon as you said your little intro there, I was literally about to be like, and it did it right at the same time as me. I'm like, oh, man. Okay. That's a problem. <laughs> you can uh, you can synchronize your watch to it. Essentially, uh, it just just like clockwork. That's that's how we do it. But yeah, I'm I'm in for a Luplin trip. I I gotta gotta make that happen because um, I'm I'm not somebody that that shies away from from love of of beer and uh, things along the lines that a brewery would have. So you like to have a good time. Yeah, I I like to have I like to have fun. And speaking of having fun. We have had an opportunity to uh, watch some just much better hockey over these last four games. Uh, Dean Evison out, John Hines in, but it is, I think, something that a lot of people are wondering 
about what we've seen so far, how much of this is just what it is now going forward, and how much of this is kind of that that bump that will slowly start to settle back down. And so we're just going to kind of go through some of these key areas and just see what we think is actually you know, changed for the better and what is an area to still be concerned about. And I want to start with the biggest one, special teams. We We lead off with the big stuff first because the penalty kill – has uh, allowed just one power play goal in these four games. It's it's at 92% through uh, the start of the John Hines era. And uh, honestly, Hoppy, I'm, I'm curious to get your take on this because it was a penalty kill that it didn't seem was capable of killing power plays through the first 19 games of the season. And all of a sudden, things um, things have just looked drastically different. So... Are you buying or selling first off that this penalty kill is just now going to be functional for this team as the season goes on? Yeah. And I mean, a couple blanket statements here. First, we can kind of look at how the season started for all aspects that were going poorly. And I think we can all agree that, Maybe the wild aren't what we've seen the last two years, but they're definitely not as bad as what we've seen. Yeah. Regression was coming. It's hilarious that it aligned perfectly with Heinz coming in. So now we have to go through this exercise of deciphering like what's him and what's just like, oh, it clicked. But then we look at the the penalty kill. And for me, there there's two key components, right? There's the players and the structure, and then there's the goaltending. And the goaltending was just categorically awful. And that is not coaching. Like, basically, Dean Evison lost his job because of poor goaltending. Yeah. But penalty kill, you also got to factor in that, like, Jared Spurgeon was out for the majority of that time. And say what you will about how he plays in the postseason. I know that a lot of both of our listeners probably think that he sucks in the postseason regular season he's never done anything but dominate and penalty kill is a place that he was sorely missed and i know he hasn't been deployed as such lately but freddie evison was also a guy that was like heavily leaned on for that and he was out for a good chunk of time so all of that piece together certainly doesn't help i will say being a little bit more aggressive on the penalty kill doesn't hurt anything and whether that's the players finally stepping up and doing what they were supposed to or John Hines coming in and demanding it, I don't know. Because quite frankly, it the penalty kill was so bad that I don't know if it's the players just failing to execute or poor coaching. I, I genuinely don't know. Yeah, it's this is one that I think is going to be one of the great mysteries of this season as it unfolds because it was... I mean, there were there were times in which you just everything that could go wrong did. And so for it to all of a sudden just completely snap into being functional with, like you said, with Spurgeon coming in, but with the rest of the the penalty kill roster being essentially the same, like the fact that it just all of a sudden was like, OK, we're fixed <clears throat> is just it's it's fascinating to uh, to see and. It's something that if this team's going to do anything this year, which we'll buy or sell on that uh, as we move through the episode, if they're going to do anything, 
they're going to need that penalty kill at the minimum to be, and you don't need it to be above 90% for the season, but if they're going to do anything the rest of the season, I feel like you got to be at least mid eighties in order to, uh, in order to be an effective team, power play can come and go, but you have to be consistently good on the penalty kill in order to do anything past just be in the regular season. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. <laughs> um, let's talk just a quick about the uh, the power play too, because you know power play is a similar thing. the The numbers weren't great. The it just looked like a mess at points, not able to to gain the offensive zone. And it's funny because Jason King is still here, who has been the guy in charge of this power play unit. And you look at the results through these four games. Similar story to the penalty kills where the wild have, I think, I think they have four penal, uh, four power play goals in the four games. So do we, are we buying or selling again, this unit simply saying, okay, we got to be better or, or was there some tweak here too, that has led to the success being uh, above what it has been so far this season? Uh, you know, I don't know that there's necessarily a tweak. I think this is another one where, like regression proves out over time. When you have Boldy, Kaprizov, and Zuccarello start the season as poorly as they did, and granted, Zuccarello has been back on his game a lot longer than Kaprizov and Boldy have, but like Boldy, man, could he have been more snake bitten? And now he's firing on all cylinders. Like it, it's definitely a different situation that we're dealing with having those three guys going who are definitely the catalysts for your power play. My big question on how this is going to progress. Do we know if Brock Faber is going to get extended looks? It would help, I think, because uh, I don't know. Spurgeon is holding down that top spot right now, but I don't think anybody really views him as a long-term option there. He is a talented offensive player. He does not have the vision or understanding of the flow in the offensive zone that yeah. a player that I'm apparently no longer allowed to speak about, according to Twitter slash X. <laughs> but I, I do think Brock Faber has the potential to do that. The yeah. real problem you run into, and we talked about this on our show, where do you draw the line for a young player like Brock Faber? Like He's already expected to play some of the most important minutes in the game. He's going to kill penalties as well. Do you also, in his first full season, want to thrust him into the power play? Yeah. Long term, dude's going to end up being a 30-minute-a-night guy. He, like we said, as soon as the playoffs are over last year, that he's going to be the next captain of the wild. I'm sure you echo the sentiment. But this year, I don't know if you want to overload him or not. But in a vacuum, if he's on the power play, it is better than it is right now. And I'm much more confident that it continues to grow. Otherwise you're really relying on Kaprizov and Boldy staying on top of their game. Otherwise, no, I don't have the utmost faith in the way that our power play has been deployed, but okay. We'll take a look at what John Hines has brought to the table and whether that is sustainable going forward. As we continue today's episode of locked on wilds after this. Today's episode of Lockdown Wild is brought to you by Game Time. If you, like me, love to live in the moment, you have probably gone through the ticket buying experience the day of a particular event. 
whether it be watching the Timberwolves play at the Target Center, the Minnesota Wild at the XL Energy Center, or the Minnesota Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium. And with the holidays right around the corner, game time is here to help make your ticket buying experience as stress-free as possible. Game time offers last-minute deals and most importantly, views from every seat in whatever venue you are headed to. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-H-L for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Today's episode of Lockdown Wild also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder, NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is incredibly easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more Vikings fans. Looks like Justin Jefferson's going to be back against the Las Vegas Raiders. So if you feel lucky enough to uh, consider the Vikings to win, throw down a $5 bet on them against the Raiders, and you could take your winnings for player props, such as receiving yards for Jefferson, touchdown passes for Josh Dobbs. The possibilities are endless with FanDuel. Make sure that you head to FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Welcome back to today's episode of Locked on Wild. Once again, we thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. For the everydayers, make sure that you check out our episode tomorrow with the Locked on Canucks as we uh, talk with Trevor Beggs to uh, get you geared up for tomorrow's game against Vancouver. Uh, you can catch that uh, in the morning as part of Lockdown Wild. Let's get back to the conversation with State of Hoppy of the Soda Pod, talking about some of the things that John Hines specifically has fixed for this Minnesota Wild team, including their overall mindset and how much that is sustainable moving forward. But the other caveat that I didn't get into in the first section is this has all looked great for four games. It's been four games. And yeah, to be even more specific, like I think John Hines got the best hand he possibly could have been dealt. Came in with zero pressure because the team could not have performed worse. A lot of things have already turned around where they're at. And we're seeing that positive regression. Then you factor in that he gets the best. I don't think you could find a better four game stretch on our schedule based on who you're playing against time in between games for him to come in and look great for four games. I'm really excited to see the next four where we've got Vancouver and Edmonton back to back, then Seattle, which yeah, say what you will. And then I don't remember, is it Vancouver or Edmonton that we get right away again after that? Or maybe it's Calgary. I know it's one of the Canadian teams. It's Calgary, I think. Calgary, we get coming back. So I really, I'm really excited to see both Vancouver, who's been good, and for whatever reason, Wild fans seem to think that it's lucky, which I laugh at. 
and Edmonton, who's in a very similar spot to us, like yeah. fighting and clawing to get back into the playoffs. And historically, we've done very well against them because, oh, weird, Faber and Brodeen do a pretty good job shutting down 97. So I want to see what happens over the next four games, give or take. Like I kind of said, my rough benchmark was eight games before I'd make any firm declarations, but power play definitely looked better. I'm not as sold on that improving as I am on the penalty kill. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm right with you on, on all of that. And on the Brock Faber note, I, I think you do really have to take a hard look at potentially tipping the apple cart. If you just continue to say, okay, do this. Not that he can't like you said it, not that he can't handle it. But again, you're talking about a guy who's playing in his first season in the NHL. You got to give him an opportunity to kind of, get a break somewhere like it's a lot for a guy to process as the games are going on as the season is unfolding to just say number one power play number one penalty kill top defensive pairing like you can you can get him there eventually but uh i think i think the pk and the defensive work is is plenty for uh for right now because he's he's doing really well at it so one, I think it's important for us to note, too, for those that aren't aware, because last year that Gopher team was so stacked. He did not play on the power play for the Gophers, right. and he was still their minute muncher, like just like we're talking about right now. He has shown plenty of offensive prowess and the dude can see the ice correctly. He's going to be the power play quarterback. It's just I'm with you. Maybe not yet. Yeah. Um, let's let's shift to an area where I think we can give Hines some credits in what he has come in and done, because I think there has been a little bit of a shift in mentality for this team that's been pretty evident in uh, in what they've done so far. And, you know, I I talked about it and seeing the word grits just scrubbed from the dictionary for this team. Uh, once Dean was, was let go because uh, I haven't heard it. I haven't heard it said a single time since, but John Hines has really put emphasis on one particular word and that being speed. And so are you buying or selling hoppy? The fact that Hines tweaking the mindset has helped this team get to a more sustainable style of play and a style that's going to help them not help them avoid those instances earlier in the season where it just seemed like they were just walking in mud. I mean, is it as simple as saying, Hey guys, we want to play fast. And all of a sudden guys play fast. Like, no, but I think what he's really done is opened up the game a little bit and really emphasized pressure like penalty kill. Mm-hmm. Don't sit back, pressure them on the four check, like simple things like guys are way more aggressive. It feels like, and that opens up the game a little bit more to really showcase that speed. And has he been incredible? No, but if you don't think that Jojo Marcus Johansson has not looked faster since the change, you got to get your eyes checked. Like there's still plenty he can do to improve his game, but he knows like, Hey, clean slate, everything that was going so poorly for me leading up to this point, that's all gone. I have a new coach. Every player is kind of looking at this as a new tryout and 
for the first at least two games, you got to think this is okay. We got to bust it to apologize to Dean basically for it being our fault. But I think we're past that now. Like that's gone. Now the guys are feeling it. And roundabout way of answering your question. Yes. I think John Hines is responsible for some of that, but I don't know that necessarily emphasizing the speed game is what did it. I think just loosening the grip and being more flexible, like whether that's with, I guess not even as flexible. It's more so calculated that everyone's talked about it. This is not my like opinion and my big epiphany, but just making sure that the Brodeen and Faber pairing is out there with our first line. Crazy what happens when you have five <laughs> skilled guys out there at the same time. Like it, it I never would have guessed that that would improve offense. <laughs> uh, it is one of those things where I like – I think I was just so miserable at the start of the season that I didn't really even pay attention to it that much until somebody mentioned it in the comment. And for a couple of games, I look up and I'm like, oh, my God, Merrill and Bogosian are out there with Kaprizov and, and Zuccarello again. Like, what are we doing here? And yeah, ever since it's it has been a it, it's been a noticeable flip. And yeah, it just it seems like you would just want to try to maximize the time that five of your best players get the opportunity out there at once. Just yeah. seems like a good well, idea. And, and I mean, these guys are professionals, so like, I'm not going to sit here and say, this is how they're thinking. But if it's me, if I am as skilled as Kirill Kaprizov and I'm out there as a part of that line, I'm playing differently. Just knowing who's out there with me as well. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not just that Faber and Brodeen being able to provide more and help them offensively is great. But it's also not sitting there and panicking like, I can't really take any risks because if they go back on a three on two, we're going to get buried. Like that yeah. has to be in the back of their minds, at least to an extent. Maybe that's not going to completely change the complexion of how they're approaching the offensive zone. But dude, it, it's got to at least have a, a some portion. Yeah, and uh, it, it brings me back to one of my favorite gifts of all time, uh, Philadelphia Phillies catcher JT Realmuto. They're making a pitching change, and they the guy that comes in from the bullpen, they zoom in on Real Muto, and he's just like, <laughs> he's like, oh god, this guy again. Um, so I, I I think you're right. I think there is something about that. Like, yeah, I can't let one fly because if it's blocked and it kicks out of his own, we we've ooh, we got bad stuff going on back there. So mm -hmm. um, that's that's just been that's been an interesting kind of subtle tweak that we've seen since we'll finish today's show by taking a look at some of the personnel decisions that John Hines has made so far, how much we buy into that going forward, as well as where the Minnesota wild stand amongst the rest of the West. All that as we continue today's episode of locked on wild after this, today's episode of locked on wild is brought to you by indeed. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish you could do the same thing with your business team? If you're building a roster to win the league, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. 
Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash locked on to start hiring now. Go to Indeed.com slash locked on. That's Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Final segment of today's episode of Lockdown Wild. Once again, we thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure to join us after tomorrow night's game against Vancouver for a Lockdown Wild postcast. Yes, we will be up late with you reacting to all of the action in hopefully yet another Minnesota Wild win. Now, as for the Minnesota Wild's place amongst the rest of the Western Conference, we'll buy or sell with State of Hoppy where we think the Wild end up at the end of the season. Now, the other one that I want to ask you about, and then we'll talk about Boldy and Kaprizov more in depth. What about how, for instance, Ryan Hartman has been put on the fourth line since he came back? And, you know, we're not seeing, at least to this point, again, four games in, we're not seeing to this point the likes of guys like, Freddie Goudreau getting slapped up in the uh, the top six. Ryan Hartman getting tipped up into the top six. It it seems as though Hines has been more inclined at least to let those guys do their thing in the bottom six. And you see this chemistry that Kaprizov, Zuccarello, and Rossi have developed. You have said that the second line is, is starting to really kind of come into their own. How surprised are you that those guys have not, under this new uh, coaching staff, been thrown into those roles that they occupied so frequently with uh, with Dean Evason? Well, I think the Freddie Evason one is a little bit more apparent that, like, dad's not here anymore. And that's not to say that Freddie's not a good player. Like, I say right. that it tongue-in-cheek more so because Dean clearly loved this guy so much. He got him a fantastic contract for what he is. I just got to imagine wherever Dean ends up as a coach, that trade's happening instantly. Like yeah. there will be no hesitation on both sides. Um, but I think this is less a matter of like keeping those guys in the bottom six. It's more so at least if I were in Heinz shoes and the way that a lot of people seem to be articulating it is this is a new team. He doesn't care what's happened before earlier this year. He doesn't care what's happened in the past. He is coming in, playing the roster as it is. And Hartman's got to prove himself to work himself back up after the suspension. Or someone else has to falter for him to get a spot. It's not just going to be, well, Hartman's playing well, so we'll put him back up with Caprizov and Zuccarello like he was before. Like, no, this is tryouts. This is new. We're starting from scratch. And I think there will be shuffling to the lines. I don't see it happening soon unless mm -hmm. there's like just a bloodbath where we get slaughtered in a game. Yeah. Barring that, it's kind of that same like eight-ish, like call it six to ten game range where maybe he starts tweaking a little bit more. But so far, no one's given him a reason to make a change. When you go four and oh, you're probably not going to make too many tweaks because you like what's happening. Um I do think that Hartman is a guy, though, that like really serves any role you need to put him in. He's he's very much 
like a player that uh, I'm very fond of out in Pittsburgh, which uh, shocker to those listening. I grew up a Penguins fan. So, yes, you probably hate me. That's okay. Brian Rust. He I think that Ryan Hartman is Brian Rust light in the sense that he is a skilled player that like you can't debate that he is a skilled player and he can play up and down the lineup. Brian Rust is the only guy in Pittsburgh that can literally play on the first, second, third, and fourth line, and there's not going to be a problem. I view Ryan Hartman in the same light. I don't think there's many other players you can point at. And yeah, sure, you can throw a guy up for like a two or three game stretch. Spots are like Pat Maroon's a perfect example. Like he could play yeah. on your first line for three or four games, and that's no problem. If he's on your first line all year, that's a problem, right? So I do think that Ryan Hartman brings that versatility. And that's a big reason that I had zero issue with the contract he was given. Now the timing of the contract, different story, but that's, you know, for another podcast, right? I just think that he is well suited to play wherever needed. Would he like to be in the top six? Absolutely. But guess what? Now there's that fire under him that he wants to work his way back up to that role. So we'll see if he can earn it or Hey, if someone else falters, he will probably be the first guy called up. Hoppy, let's finish by just looking at the West a little bit because obviously the Wild trying to dig out of the early season hole, trying to get themselves into playoff position. That is the goal for this team is to get to the postseason. Now, whether that should be or not, is uh, that's that's a topic that I think could go into a full show. Um, but we'll just we'll just keep our sights set on uh, on those potential playoff positions. Alliteration aside, I can't believe I threw all that together. But anyway, <laughs> are you buying the wild the ability of the wild, considering what we have seen? These the players by and large getting the wake up call. Are you buying the ability for Minnesota? to be able to get back into this playoff picture, considering what we've seen from the rest of the Western conference so far. Sure. And going very specifically off of the way you phrased that I'd have an answer, but I want to make sure I understand. And you know, I I'm no fun and I ruin this by being too literal, but <laughs> are you saying the possibility or do I think they will make the playoffs? Do you think they will? That's tough. Uh, the way I view it right now. Yes. The middle of the pack in the West has played pretty strong of late i'm not too worried about most of those teams i think the blues are frauds i think the predators are frauds my real concern right now is that the arizona coyotes are i don't think they are fraudulent i think that they are real and i'm personally of the mind that the teams that are currently in the top three for each division aren't moving yeah so if that's true, and if Arizona is one of the wild cards, that means it is Minnesota versus Edmonton for that last spot. Head to head, like we already talked about, maybe Minnesota has an advantage, but you look over at the Edmonton Oilers, man. Like they are a good team. They are just like us, though, where the start of the season was not at all a representation of what that roster is. Mm -hmm. Brutal goaltending gets coaches fired. That's what we saw. And yeah, the, the defensive game wasn't great either. Like it was pretty bad like ours, but goaltending blew that up. Weird. All of a sudden goaltending isn't so bad. They're winning games. It, it's fascinating how that works. Um, so for me, 
gun to the head, I say no. Because I think Edmonton has a better shot of getting that last spot. Now, if anyone in the playoff picture right now just implodes, loses a key player, someone falls out. Yes, I think both the Wild and Edmonton get in as those wild cards. Okay. But right now, I see the top seven probably staying roughly the same because I, I am a believer in the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, and that that was one of the big question marks coming into the season is were they finally going to be able to take that step and go from a team that, okay, they're probably not tanking anymore. They're starting to get some things put together, got a nice young core. Now is where you look for them to really ascend and to hop into the playoffs for the first time in a hot minute. And, I mean, even even if even if you don't necessarily buy what Winnipeg is doing. And let's, let's just throw that out there as devil's advocate. If Colorado and Dallas are, they're not falling out of the playoff picture. Like those, those two are set and Winnipeg, if they avoid what happened last year, where they just go into free fall, they're, they're in two. I, I like what Winnipeg has done so far this season. And so you got that, you got those three to contend with. You're going to go head to head against those three a lot as the uh, the rest of the season unfolds. So if the Wild do want to have a say in changing that outcome, they certainly have the opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and i I don't think that we're going to argue on this point. Colorado and Dallas notedly better. Like we're not in the same league. Can yeah. we beat them in a game? Absolutely. Yeah. Do I think that we are remotely on the same tier? No, no. I think Winnipeg is a better team, but I am totally okay with the conversation. If people want to argue that it's neck and neck, or even if you think the wild are better, like I- I'm open to that. Yeah. But Winnipeg for me, I was so torn on them in the preseason predictions where, like I said, wild to be number three. That was only because I was worried that Shifley and or Hellebuck would leave when they both resigned. I'm like, yeah, I should have put them three. Oops. I just, they got better. Yeah. They literally let, they, they bought Wheeler out and he's out in New York having a great time, which makes me upset because I hate that team so much, <laughs> but <clears throat> like that trade they made Dubois, they won that trade. Oh, yeah. Flat out. Like, is he the best individual player? Sure. Out of that group. But man, he didn't want to be there and they got a great return. I think that they are a team that. Like you see across the league, they're a team that has great offense, an elite goaltender. Defense is suspect. Yep. But if Hellebuck can hold up you can deal with somewhat suspect defense as long as the goals keep coming. And I'm a believer in a lot of their forward group. I think Hellebuck arguably, like if we're going to take every goaltender, like on their game, I'm probably putting him number three. Personally, people would probably argue with me. Like I, I, people would probably put him closer to five. I don't know what, give me your top three. Top three in the, uh, in the West specifically, or just in the NHL. I, I, I put him top three period. I mean, he is just on, he's just on the short list. Like he, if you want to go Shesterkin, you know, put him in the, in the top. I, I mean, <laughs> but that's me being partially better, but I also, so here's mine for a frame of reference. Vasilevsky, Shirokin, Hellebuck. 
Yeah. But you got Shesterkin, you got Demko. Like, there's plenty of other good goalies that you can absolutely argue against me. Uh, you see Saros, which I love his commercial. I just saw it when we were sitting here watching the <laughs> no. game before. No goals. <laughs> no goals. Oh, uh, what, about, like, saving up for a what about saving up for a house? No goals. <laughs> some guys just get the bet. And he That's seems great. like one. He seems like one that does. But and as we talk about Edmonton fighting the Wild, as we're sitting here with five fifty-seven left in the first, they're up four-zero on the Carolina Hurricanes. Dear Lord! Oh boy, what? So I stand by my statement that if I have to pick today, Wild are out. But again, if anyone falters, them and Edmonton both get in. So. Yeah, and again, we're we're at the point in the season where the Wild still. <laughs> It's going to be a bit of a climb to dig out of that hole, but they play these teams enough to where they can have some say in how this plays out. So mm -hmm. just, now, you I, just, just got to beat them. I got to ask you a question just because it's top of mind. Cause everyone's been talking about it the last few days. Sure. Do you think that Rossi and or Faber have been notedly better since Heinz came on board? Um, I I don't know if I would say notably better. I think they have continued what they've done so far this season. I mean, but I agree. But everyone, everyone in the national like view, and even some of the wild coverage. Like I, I feel like Lapanta was saying it when he was on with Russo. I, I'm not going to stand by that because that might just be me fake remembering, but. A lot of people are saying like, oh, and the rookies have been so much better. Faber has been great since this, the hiring and, and oh, Rossi has flourished. It's like, I thought they were both doing pretty well all year. Yeah. Like I have not at one point looked at either of them and been concerned. No, I, I think they've what just. You said it, the way you said it though was perfect. They have just continued on the path they were already on. Yeah, they've continued, and and Heinz has said as much as that they just you know continue to to continue to step up in big moments and continue to just build off of what they've done. I think, I think the thing that did it is going head to head against Connor Bedard and those two having the games that they did against him. I think that has kind of helped throw some coals into that fire. But look at how sh bad Ooh, that, I almost, that Chicago I almost swore there. I almost swore. I stopped myself. <laughs> Their, their, their second best player just got kicked off the team for, yeah. well, we're not going to talk about the rumors. He did some bad stuff and he's mm -hmm. gone. And like yeah. that, that is a bad team. And for all those that say like, oh, let's go for Celebrini. Me and the Sharks fans, which I'm an honorary Sharks fan now that uh, one of my sons is now cast away out there. But we all know that if Chicago isn't making the playoffs, they're getting Mac on Celebrini. Gary yeah. Bettman has ordained it as such. Yeah, he'll be Honestly, in the... They probably need to have like another scandal. Like there needs to be another sexual assault and they'll be for sure locked in. I, I don't know if Chicago can have any more scandals. They've, they've had, they've had plenty, but yeah, he, he's going to be walking across the sphere in the last like in-person draft that we will ever have. So sad. It's going to be it's going to be for Chicago because turns out now, I'm so mad I can't go like you, you know, we'll, we'll just keep it simple and say I've got stuff going on in my personal life that that's probably not in the cards. Mm -hmm. I want to go to that so bad. You have no idea. I know. 
I and you add on the fact that there isn't going to be another one ever. Well, I um I've got it on my list, and so I'll just try to vicariously live through you. Um, if that does end up happening, if I end up going, so I'm going to vicariously live through you. Yeah, that I I really sad if you went to the sphere and you were vicariously (laughs) living through me sitting on my couch. Like, you know what? Like this is cool, but like I'm just gonna like hone my my inner hobby and just sit on the couch and crank beers. Just just taking selfies in the hotel room on the couch, just living it up in Vegas. How am I doing? <laughs> I saw uh, seven Darth Vaders on the strip tonight. Yeah. <laughs> went down and played nickel slots for two minutes, and oh, uh, that was dear. enough. If you if you go, you have you ever done the the horse racing at MGM? Dude, it's probably the coolest thing I've ever done. So then that's a huge stretch, but so me and my buddy, the first time we ever went to Vegas, it's because my dad was like out there for like business. And so he had mm-hmm. everything paid for. So he's like, literally, if we bought our flights and this is when we had just turned 21 in college, so we're like, uh, yeah, let's, let's do this. Absolutely. Um, we find this mechanical horse racing and it's think bubble hockey, like for the size, take like three bubble hockeys like lined the long way stacked next to each other. And it's like a big horse ring. So again, I'm saying like long, 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 like, yeah. But so you basically throw a bunch of quarters in and you bet on horses and they're randomly assigned odds each time. And then you see these mechanical horses go and I'm telling you, man, like we had fun, but it's only fun because everyone else there around the thing. And there's like probably 15 people at a time playing they are all so blitzed and just belligerently drunk and screaming at these horses. Like a guy was ready to like ship one of these mini plastic horses off. Number four was ready to be sent off to make Elmer's glue. Like oh, people are just beside themselves. And as soon as we sat down and saw that, I'm like, dude, save our seats. And I walked over and I got as many quarters as they would give me. We had so much fun. I need to go break a hundred quick. Give me a second. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was a blast. So that's at MGM. Uh okay. highly, highly recommend. But again, don't go at like noon. Go at like 1 a.m. Yeah. You better be a little tuned up, but be prepared for everyone else to be extremely tuned up. Yeah, be have your wits about you, but uh, but be ready to uh, to have a good time. Yeah, um, that's breaking news, I guess for uh, for Locked On Wild <laughs> is that we're uh, we're gonna try to get to the draft in Vegas. So that'd be sick. Um, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But Hoppy, uh, a blast as always. Thanks for tuning or thanks for hopping in uh, <laughs> to today's episode, uh, listeners. Make sure that you follow the Soda Pod. All of the adventures that they have throughout the week, not just in the realm of wild hockey, but also covering the collegiate ranks with MNCAA and the beer ventures as well. It's a great lineup, a great flight of uh, of content for you throughout the week. So make sure to nice. uh, to tune in and uh, make sure to give Hoppy a follow on X as well at State of Hoppy. Listeners, we'll have more content for you throughout the rest of the week. We've got you covered for the uh, the postcast after all of these just stupidly late games. So uh, make sure to stay tuned for that as well. And you can find more content every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.